Hi, this is Walford Kaufman, another teaching time, as we're going to be looking at James, the second chapter, verses 1 through 7. That's James 1, 1 through 7. And we're going to be talking about favoritism. That's the number one thing we're going to be looking at uh, this day. Uh, if you've got any children, any grandchildren, maybe if you just have nieces and nephews, that idea of favoritism sure comes about. Well, you're, I'm your favorite. Are you always doing it for them and not for me? That can get into a lot of trouble. And we can see where James, being the administrator of that early church, trying to make sure that that idea of favoritism did not play into the church. So let's pray as before we look into the God's Word. Heavenly Father, teach us as we look into your precious Word, the writing of James. But we know that you gave him the words to put down that we can read today. Lord, thank you for that. Bless this time. Bless each one that's watching this and listening to this. And let us grow in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I hope you got your Bibles already open as we look here at James, the second chapter, verses 1 through 7. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? Boy, there's a lot in there. In some of the translations it has there, it talks about as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ don't show favoritism. It says about respecter of persons. Uh, that's meaning the undue and unfair partiality. We don't want that. See, the sin, the fault, is condemned throughout the New Testament. Just check it out. Look at it. Those um, uh, charges could not be brought against Jesus. I mean, if anything else, it went the other way. Jesus was in love with everybody. He spent time with everybody, no matter what needs they might have had. Peter learned you remember when that sheet came down in that vision and had clean and unclean animals on it? That was to tell him, do not show favoritism. The Greek and the Jew needed to hear the gospel. Paul in Romans, let's look at that real quick. In Romans, the second chapter there, verses 11 and 12, what it says there, for God does not show favoritism. But verse 12 goes on, and all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. So don't show favoritism, but the truth is, we're all under the same law. If we sin, there's judgment. If we keep the law, we will be blessed. All this is happening. Uh, the concept of this in the, in the original Greek was the idea of lifting up one's uh, countenance. Their personality, they're, they're just what makes them different. What makes you different? So the original meaning of that word uh, was pretty good. 
But over time, things changed all. It means uh, to accept a person, uh, you know, showing favoritism. Not, I, I've heard some people say that I'm highly uh, favored by the Lord. That's okay. But what the idea got changed when I was showing favoritism, that you're influenced by the person, by their statue in this world, and by their money, by their wealth. But when you look at God, when you look at Jesus on the cross, can you see anywhere there's favoritism? If you look at God, especially the Old Testament, just look through, is there favoritism? Is there favoritism with Jesus on the cross? Proverbs 22, verse 2, tells us this. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Is the, lake, is the maker of them all. So James, being that administrator, he was looking out for the church, and he was very much concerned about what was happening in the world at that time would not be played out in the early church. James was quickly to uh, use an observation of that time. And that day, when somebody with great influence and great wealth, I mean, the rich, they wore rings. They wore rings on every finger, except for the middle finger. Now, I need to do some more study on that. Maybe you can do that too. But they wore rings on every finger. And when they really run out of those fingers, they would start wearing two, three rings on each finger. That's, it kind of reminds me back uh, 20-something years ago. I don't know how popular it is now. But uh, if you want to be somebody that uh, people looked upon as, oh, they got wealth, you wore a Rolex watch. You remember that? You wore a Rolex watch. Now, most folks don't even wear watches. So I don't know what they're doing nowadays. So here's all this. More money, more influence, more rings. And I read that even to the point that some of them would go and uh, uh, rent out, uh, you know, they would rent out a ring. They didn't have all the money, but they would go and rent this out. Kind of reminds me, I grew up in the uh, poor South in the 60s. And I remember uh, the week of the 4th. That was the main week. Sometimes in other parts of the year, but that was the main time. The look at all these brand new cars going up and down the road. And what it was, there was many around that area uh, that had gone up to Detroit to work in the, in the car manufacturing businesses back in those days. They're getting away from the poor South. They went up there to make some money and so that week of the 4th, when the plants were closed in Detroit, they would all come home and be in these brand new cars. Man, it was something to see. It wasn't, uh, well, let me say, I probably was well up in age to fi finally realize this. What I found out was those cars were rentals. That's all it was. I went... I didn't know what a rental car was back in that day, but where they were, they allowed them to rent the car and to be able to drive back and to tell everybody, look, this is my car and look how important I am. When most of them were just barely making it. And when things turned around, many of them came back to the South. But that was what was going on there. Uh, Clement of Alexandria, many, many, many years ago, recommended Christians wear only one ring and it'd be worn on the little finger. 
I don't know if I could do that on the little finger, and that it would be uh, used as a seal. That's why it was not for the importance of showing wealth. They used that to, to seal, they're like signing your signature. And that's why he said to do that. But let's get back to God's word. Uh, and we see here about this rich man, the gold ring, the, the fine clothes versus the poor man with the shabby clothes. But it does not end there. You remember how it went with them? Special attention is shown to that rich man. He's escorted to the good seat. And uh, notice it says there, for you. Uh, and so here's a good seat for you. It's like it's been set aside just for them. Have you ever been somewhere to go sit down and someone said, no, no, that, that's saved. Well, it embarrassed you, didn't it? It embarrassed you. So you can imagine if that poor man had walked up to that seat. No, that would not have happened at all. And so the poor man, look what happens to him. No special attention. It sounds like what happens in that situation that the host basically looked at him and pointed to him to go stand in the corner. Go ahead and say that. Stand in the corner. Uh, you know, here, here is all this going on. This just standing there. What? Well, well, let me back up. There's really two options. He pointed to, in a corner, or he said, "What else did he could do? Sit on the floor by my, by my feet. Sit on the floor by my feet." What's going on? One writer put it this way. He's basically being told, you know, go and sit beside the footstool of the well-to-do. The sit on the footstool by the well-to-do. But it was going to sit. Stand in the corner or go sit. Don't you think James uh, is the only one that dealt with this situation? Uh, folks, we need to realize something. This is God's precious word and it has survived all these years. But there are still some writings from other people back in that day. It's not the Holy Word. It's not Scripture. But it's some important books. And some of them deals with this same situation. They're writing with specific instructions of what to do. And so in some of these other writings, and so James has been dealing with us, telling us what to do about the rich and the poor. In these other writings, if a rich man comes in, they were to remain quiet. That's for the leader. If you were the one teaching and a rich man comes in, you're not to bring any attention to that rich man. Now, if you were one of the guests, if you were the one sitting around and listening to the teacher, now you were encouraged to move over and give room, maybe even give that person your seat. I know I've seen situations at a banquet or a party where somebody gets up and gives somebody else their seat. I always think, man, that's a good, that's a good person. That's a nice person. They're thinking of others. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. But also, there were some other instructions back in those days uh, for the early church that uh, what you were supposed to do for the poor is make plans for them too. Make plans. And so what even other writers, other writers was trying to get this message across because favoritism was playing its way right into the early church and there was going to be problems. And so here they were making plans uh, that be not a respecter of persons, but to be a respecter of God and how God is working. One writing of that time uh, said that the leader of the service might be liable when a rich man entered 
if he stopped the service and to uh, conduct him to a special seat. Wow. Can you imagine being a teacher and you're liable because you stopped your teaching and you made your way over and said, here, here's a special seat for you. That was not to happen. So no question. There were some problems there, social problems in the early church. Remember, in the background of all this is slavery. There was slavery going on that day. Here's the early church reaching out. A master is one to the Lord. He gets baptized and all that stuff that goes on. And he comes to the church and there his slave is teaching him. Well, see where there's some problems, situations that could happen in that? Here's a master being taught by his, uh, his slave and all this. That had been very awkward. See, the world at that time, the law of that time, a slave, a servant, was just a living tool. That's why slavery that we've heard even in our nation many years after the scriptures, that we treated people like tools. No, they're people. They're special. They're made in the image of God. And so the, the master, the owner, had complete control of that situation. But now they're sitting together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so it changed things. And the early church was mostly made up of poor people, uh, very humble people. And here comes a rich, influential person in. He comes to know Jesus as his Savior. And then he walks in and they now become one in Christ Jesus. They become one in Christ Jesus. It had to be a temptation, though. Think about it. Here was a man of wealth, and uh, his tithe just, man, we get that rich man to come to our church. He's going to, man, the money he can put in our budget, we can get this done and get that done. Is that the way to look at it? What about uh, the one of great influence? Boy, if we get so-and-so in here, maybe we can get some strings pulled down there at the city hall. You know, we look at people, of, of, you know, in that situation. So most of the churches through time have learned this. Don't ever look at a person's wealth. Don't ever look at somebody's influence. Look at their heart. Look at their heart. That's what really is matter. Because I'm going to tell you, the rich can become poor. The one that you thought had influence could have their names blasted all over the newspaper being charged for some crime. Then what are you going to do? What are you going to do then? There's still people in need. The church must be the place in society where all uh, this distinctions are wiped out. I started to say distractions. God can't read my writing too good. But it really means where any kind of distraction, rich or poor, you know, the influential, uh, I, I, what is it they got now on uh, Instagram? a person of influence, or influencer and all, it doesn't matter. It's that heart, it's that relationship with Lord, and then that relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, think about it. We talk about this idea of uh, being judging folks and looking folks. How can we judge ourselves? Think about it. When we come before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, what do we see? What can we see? We're nothing. What about when we come before the one that is holy? We're nothing. We're nothing. We're all sinners in, uh, in need of grace. 
saved by grace or in need of grace, but we're sinners. And we need to be reminded of that of all. And so in the presence of God, all, all men, all women are one. Are one. But James 4, excuse me, James 2 verse 4, look how he, he kind of zoop right between the eyes. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Have you not become just like that? And yes, most of us have at some time or another. And so this is kind of pointing back to Matthew 7. Look at there, Matthew 7 verses 1 and 2. Matthew 7, 1 and 2 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That should be the biggest warning we have when we get out of bed in the morning. How we treat others. Because that's the way we're going to end up being treated also. So all that is going on. And so James goes on to say, we need to be careful, folks. Blessed are the poor and blessed are the rich, but not in the possessions, but in the spirit, in the spirit. Um, uh, one writer said this, that we need to be very careful that we do not practice inverted snobbery. You ever heard that snobbery? You know, we look down upon the poor, the outcast, the homeless and all this. Let's don't invert that way that we look and we judge the rich. You know, there are some people that forgets the one that lives in the mansion, the one that drives the brand new cars, actually owns them. They need Jesus Christ just as much as that poor person. But we need to be very careful about this. So James is not tossing out the rich, but the poor have become very receiving of the message. And so um, kind of like what's going on in today's time. The, we look at this in this time of the scripture and this day, this day and time, the poor are being controlled by the rich. Think about it. The rich, the, the percentage of the rich that control everything in this world. And so we see all this is going on. But uh, there's something else going on here uh, about a problem. Look there at verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. But look at this. But you have insulted the poor. It is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? And so we see some things going on here. Uh, what that idea is, dragging you in court, there was a concept back in that day, legally wise, I think they called summary court summary court and that means that a person who's a creditor i'm the one that loaned you money the creditor and so here you are coming down the road well notice it talks about the idea of dragging somebody into court what they had back in that day was a very interesting concept it's called summary court summary court and it was a concept if i was the creditor i had loaned you money and i'm walking down the street and i see you a debtor that owed me money and you hadn't paid me, I could actually grab you. I could actually grab you by the back of the neck and actually pull you into a court. Not, not, I guess, over, uh, what's that concept? The citizen's arrest. But I could drag you in court, demand the money, or demand that you be put in jail. And that was real. And that's what he's talking about, dragging you uh, into uh, court and all that concept there. And so 
Think about that concept. If there were folks in the church doing stuff like that, or if you were the poor person and you're sitting in the church and here comes a person in, the rich person who had done that to you, how would you feel? How would you feel about this? But if you really look at this, James is not condemning. James is not condemning the rich. He's condemning the actions of the rich. And so all that's going on. And so the rich were also, if you look in verse 7, and they are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? And what was going on then that um, there were those who were abusing the name of the Christians, Christ-like, Christ-followers, and all this. And so uh, James uses a, a terminology here, slandering the noble name. This is basically the concept is like a wife taking on her husband's name when she gets married or a child taking on their uh, father's name. So as a Christian, you know, here's here is a, a Bob who becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. So now he's a Christian. He's got that name as a Christian, uh, not a legal name, but a follower of Christ. And they were slandering. They were making fun. Why would the rich people do that? Well, remember, most of the rich were masters of slaves, owners of slaves. And did they want their slaves to be changed in, in any way? And so that's what's going on. They didn't want their... Think about it. Here is a person that you've owned, they've been your property, and all of a sudden they become a believer in Jesus Christ, and they, they got a new life. They got, they got a freedom. Not they can walk away from their responsibility. But they got a new freedom in Jesus Christ. They have a new independence and all. And so uh, they were followers of Christ uh, that now, because they were a believer, they were going to their boss and said, I like to have off the Sabbath day, the Sunday day, whatever day they might have chose uh, to worship the Lord. We wanted to have Sunday off for worship. See, it's changing everything. And all this. And so some of them are making fun. Some are putting them down. This idea of that noble name of being a follower of Jesus Christ. But don't we have things like that happening today? Think about it. How many folks are made fun of because they want to go to church? You mean you're going to go to church? Some of them have trouble getting off from the work. Though they're supposed to legally do it, but it still causes a lot of trouble. What about those with their friends? Well, you know, I'm going to go to church. So, oh, come on, let's go to the lake. Let's go do this. Well, I'm, I want to go to the lake, but I'm going to go to church first. And people are put down. And so this is what James is, is dealing with. There's those who are the poor that make up most of the church, and they're being attacked in this way. Oh, being pulled into court, being made fun of, their name as a Christian are being put down. And then some of these folks are ones getting saved and coming into the church. Don't play favoritism. Isn't it great that God doesn't play favoritism? For God so loved the world. That's you and that's me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I praise you. Lord, I just thank you that you didn't play favorites and you just pick and choose who you want. That you're, uh, you're giving the invitation to all of us to all of us to follow you. Some will say yes and some will say no. But Lord, you give us that opportunity. I pray that each person that's watched this, listening, have already given their heart to you. 
But if not, let them do so today. And let us rejoice that we can be brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you, and we'll see you the next teaching time.